We're in the Hockey Podcast, episode 91 this week. Um, missed a few weeks, uh, kind of get settled into the end of the season, going into the off season. but we are here with episode 91. Uh, we are going to discuss most likely a bit of the state of the league heading into the off season as we head toward a hopeful full 82-game schedule for the 21-22 season. Wouldn't that be nice? And then uh, discuss a number, number of different headlines, a number of different signings that have happened already, a number of different rumors, whatever else, and uh, close it out for you. So episode 91 of War in the Hockey Podcast this week, uh, back in studio. Um, expansion draft is coming up here this uh, weekend, and or in the beginning of next week, sorry. Yeah, middle of next week is and the actual draft. The, uh, uh, the lists come the, out, though, I think Friday or Saturday. The protective lists have to be submitted um, by no later than end of Friday or at least Saturday. And uh, so it's moving fast. And then, and then after that, next weekend, uh, not the weekend coming up as of this recording, but next weekend is the entry draft and then free agency and all that good stuff. And we are less than 90 days from the start of the new season. <laughs> So, and and here we go again, wondering who's going to sober up from the uh, from the cup champs by the, in time for training camp. Yes, so lots to look forward to. The uh, the present off season leader is uh, Nikita Kucherov, as you probably have seen. He's uh, he's clearly the front runner for the Brett Hull Award this year. Yes, they know how to have a good time. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, to start off uh, again, we'll start off this week. Um, and I'm sure people already are aware of this. Um, apparently, it happened. It's happened in the past couple months. So it's. Uh, I would say, with how rapidly news spreads online and things these days, I would say it's old news. But we'll at least bring it up. The BCHL is no longer a part of the CJHL. They've gone independent. Um, so they're they. You can still trade, and you can still. Um, have transactions and, and relationships with the other teams. Um, as we've seen, as uh, the Penticton V's just made a trade with uh, with Edmonston from the Maritime Hockey League, so they are um, still capable of having working relationships, but you will not see them um, under the same umbrella, and you will not see any team from the BCHL compete for the RBC Cup. Yeah. Or anything of that nature, BCHL will create their own championship and do things independently for themselves. As we know firsthand, from a financial standpoint, and it's what we go back to a lot on this podcast, that winning your league, winning your province, or even winning your division within the CHL is a great thing. It brings in a lot of money. It does a lot, a lot of good for your franchise. Spending a week and a half on the road to get to the RBC Cup and back is it will drain whatever most of those teams hope to make. Even if they go all the way and win their provincial provincial championship, you're going to surrender all that winning, uh, all the money when you go back when you go to the RBC Cup and, and spend it all on the road. So it, that's just how fragile the the financial part of the uh, of junior hockey is, at least at that level. Correct. So, uh, and hopefully, hopefully we get to talk with uh, a spokesperson from the BCHL in the run-up to our showcase event this fall, right? Hopefully, yeah. We'll see. See what they say. Um, but hopefully, we can at least get a quote. If not, here, if not an actual conversation, a quote. We'll have to see if we can work them in. 
Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have our producer get them on the list, and we'll see if we have time to, to fiddle with it. Well, again, we're very busy. We're without a producer. We've been doing it without a producer. Louie quit. He was tired of your bullying and your <laughs> harassment here in studio, so he uh, walked away. So we, we've been operating without Louie or any type of producer of that nature. So, Jeez, I didn't even notice he was gone. I hope he's still listening. I, I, didn't, you know, I didn't even miss you, Louie. I, I didn't realize you were not here anymore. So anyway, uh, moving on. We'll make it kind of a quick episode this week, State of the League, but a number of headlines moving in. Uh, Brandon Carlo just signed in Boston today, yep. six years, $4.1 million. That's a pretty good deal for both sides, I think. Yeah. And aren't we seeing a lot more of that? And I don't want to get off on, uh, run off on every headline, but that's pretty good for the team for six years to lock up a good big young defenseman, and it's good for him to get some surety. That's a good contract for both sides. And we're seeing more of that in the flat cap than we did otherwise. Yeah, well, it it makes you, um, it makes you wonder if it's kind of the standard for how the signings are going to be in the uh, flat cap. Yeah. and it makes you wonder anytime you hear a report of how a player and a team are far apart in negotiations. Right. What's really going on there? Because the player and the agent and the team, all three have to kind of see the writing on the wall that you're only going to be able to do so much. And are you, are either one of you three really, really in going to be able to afford to play hardball with, with anything? Because, you know, you play hardball with a player who's, who wants this, well, they'll walk and right, wrong or different. They'll get what they're asking somewhere else. And now you've lost out on a good player. Or if you're the player, you play hardball because the team comes in a million and a half short of what you're asking or whatever. And now, okay, well now I've soured the relationship with that, with my team, but yet I'm not going to get what I'm asking anywhere else. So now what am I going to do? So, well, there's two things to consider in that scenario. And that's going to go on a lot. It goes on every year. The sometimes, as often as not anyway, the best deal you can make is the one you don't make. It's the one you pass up, whether it's signing, signing your guy as a UFA or going out to the UFA market. And then, then all of a sudden you're two years later, you're Jeff Skinner or you're Parisian suitor. That's the future buyouts of the league is the guys who get overpaid and underperform, which is at least a coin flip. When you hire, when you sign somebody like that, you want to be, you want to be the guy who passed up on paying that kind of money to Jeff Skinner. You, I don't know what Gabe Landeskog is asking for, but you probably, if he's a, if he's North of eight for term, you want to be the guy of the team that passes on him. And there's then this goes on every single year. And now all of a sudden their buyouts works great for the player. The buyout worked great for the player because he gets a mountain of dough to do nothing. Ask Rick DiPietro or somebody. But otherwise, the team is is strapped. And yeah. we, we talk about it all the time. Well, you bring up Linus Skug. That was the example I was hinting at was they're, they're <laughs> apparently far apart is the, is the rumor now. That's what we hear. On it all. So um, another real quick one before we head into the rest of it. Um, not only did they lose the Stanley Cup, but he returns home. Brendan Gallagher returns home to his house being broken into. Did you read about that one? I did not. I missed that one. Yeah, he uh, returned home to like his front door kicked in and a bunch of stuff missing. And he posted a video online of him just kind of sitting outside on his front porch eating a hamburger. 
just shrugging his shoulders, kind of. Man, we're gonna, he's got to move to a better neighborhood or something. Maybe he, uh, maybe he needs a, a little bump in salary so he can get out of the tough neighborhood. He's a he's a Vancouver guy, right? I wonder if he I wonder if he has his home there in the off season. I believe so. I don't know if he returned home to his off season home though. I think it was a it might. I didn't. It didn't say. It just said he returned home to his house being robbed or burglarized. But anyway, um, no. speaking of the new standard yes. um, in terms of contracts and the flat cap, you've seen signings like Nugent Hopkins at eight years for 5.125. Yep. Uh, Erickson Eck in Minnesota for eight years at 5.25. Um, and then you get guys like Nick Bukestad. Who's yeah. worth? He's worth more than nine hundred thousand, yeah, but, but he signs a one-year nine hundred thousand dollar deal. Um, Scott Wedgwood eight hundred twenty-five thousand for one year. Um, Travis Dermott two years at one point five in Toronto. Yep. These are all good deals so far uh, for both the player and the team. Everything's in line so far. Yep. So um, makes you wonder if if the if it's really going to be the new standard. So when you hear reports of teams and players being far apart do you believe it is it rumor for rumor's sake you know how does it get done does it get done all this stuff if it does get done does it look like nugent hoxson's or erickson eck or you know what happens so here's the here's the reality of flat cap the these are these guys are commodities they go up and down like every other commodity you may sign a guy to a real friendly deal the way they signed kucherov in tampa five years ago or so got him on a bridge deal, and then his long-term deal was real friendly. He's out-kicked out that coverage. He's outperformed that contract. Then you get the occasional, you get the guys who end up being buyouts. You get the guy who two years later maybe cost you your job for spending too much money on this guy. In the flat cap, it's no longer posturing. You're not you're not bargaining and, and trying to negotiate anymore. This is how much we have. We all know how much we have. If you can get a lot more than that someplace else, please go. We'll make a deal and, and trade you or do a sign and trade or something. We'd like to not lose you for free, but we'd rather do that than to overpay you by 20% and get stuck with this contract three or four years from now. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, it's just simply reality now. And shame on any agent that doesn't negotiate that way in good faith knowing what the it's math it doesn't change and you can't just randomly start giving everybody eight or nine million yep yep i agree so anyway uh moving into the rumor mill here a number of rumors <laughs> we've we've already touched on we already know about um we'll recap it before we get into the state of the league here to close things out but uh jack eichel um up to this point the two landing spots for him are the rangers at the ducks um, it's looking like after the buyouts in Minnesota of Parisi and Suter that maybe Minnesota's preparing financially to make a, a, an offer, at least a trade offer for Eichel. Uh, so we'll keep eyes on that. Um, Phil Kessel on the trade block in Arizona. No. You what's, fr you what's this world coming you to? <laughs> Two-time Stanley Cup champion, one of the best all-around goal scorers the game's seen, and you have still have a problem with him. Uh, Seth Jones, um, 
some some talk going now that Chicago acquired his brother, that uh, Chicago's going to make a deal. But the problem with it, with that that we saw, or that I've seen, is the asking price from Columbus is going to be a big package. Did you in, see that? Including, including one of, if not both, Kirby Dak and Alex Brinkett. Right. Up on top of a draft pick, on top of a prospect, on you know, and all this stuff. So, mm-hmm. if I'm Chicago, just like any financial situation in free agency that's you kind of deserve what you get if you make that kind of deal and so i could not agree more do sign that deal at your own peril when you start giving away really good young assets like to and dak and a pick and getting one guy in return nothing against seth jones but that is that is a lot to pay for anyone yep. so um, plus the cap hit that he's going to bring with him yep. But anyway, Blackhawks, Avalanche, Kings, and Flyers believed to be the front runners for Seth Jones. Obviously, if that's the asking question from Chicago, I can't begin to imagine what they'd want from any of the other teams that are believed to be the front runners. Yeah, and here so, again, like, so there's, and I, sorry to, I don't want to go off on every every one of these, but in a case like Seth Jones, good young player, it's one thing to bust your cap for him; it's another one to. To hammer your future for bust him. your cap and lose two blue chip prospects and a first rounder or something to that effect. Now you're talking about throwing yourself into a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jeez. So uh, Calgary Johnny Goudreau uh, recently talks of a, an extension have come up, um, but prior to that and even with, with that um, talks of his current deal. Um, he's got one year left, so he's not a free agent this year. Yeah. He's got one year left. Um, on a cap hit of 6.75. Well, uh, it expires at the end of the next season, um, but starting July 28th, his modified no trade clause kicks in, um, which would allow him to veto any trade. So if Carrie's going to move him and they want flexibility, they got to move him before July 28th. Bet that he does not stick around. Uh, Flyers and Kings are rumored to be the the teams involved to acquire him um dougie hamilton on the move again um provided permission from carolina to speak to other teams yep chicago on top of seth jones is involved dougie hamilton you have to assume one of those is a backup plan in case the other one doesn't doesn't happen philadelphia and seattle involved with dougie hamilton um arizona revisiting oliver ekman larson's uh, situation um, again Boston is involved just like last year and Vancouver as well uh, rumors that they want to trade Nate Schmidt in Vancouver to clear some cap for for Ekman Larson he had a tough year didn't he yeah uh, Kuznetsov in Washington um, some off-ice issues amongst other things uh, rumored to be on the move four teams involved with him the Rangers the Kings the Blue Jackets and the Ducks you hear the same teams coming up a lot. You're Anaheim, you're LA, you're the Rangers, you're Chicago. Uh, there are a lot of teams, uh, in, including much more quietly Calgary and Vancouver, that are trying to make some noise. And you, you hear a lot about Edmonton. I just don't see that they have the wiggle room in Edmonton to do anything. They don't have salary to shed, uh, even though that's what they need to do before they can. Well, we could again, like we do off recording, we could go down the rabbit hole of of how any number of teams, with the exception of maybe Seattle, 
can have any type of financial wiggle room to make any type of eight, nine, ten million dollar offers on free agents or do anything like that. Yeah. Right? It's what the same thing. It's that very thing that makes me, on a personal level, wonder wonder why it's even being discussed, and that it's just simply a formality before Gabe Landeskog gets re-signed in Colorado. Right. Yep. But from an objective standpoint as well, just it doesn't fit that there's a team out there with exception of maybe Seattle who can afford to to really go all in if they chose to do so. Whether they should or not is a whole other argument, but if they chose to do so, Seattle really is the only one that has right now the financial freedom to do so because they've got to get to the cap floor. Right. And there are, listen, there are a dozen teams in the league that need to spend anywhere from two or three million to 15 or 20 million to get to the floor. But when you look at those figures, it's a little deceiving because then when you start going down the roster of guys, the RFAs that need to be signed 100% and guys that are coming up for new deals. Now, all of a sudden that whole thing changes. And, and so just seeing that your team is, uh, $13 million under the cap floor means nothing. Well, that money goes away in a hurry. People need to do their homework. If you look at it and you see going into the next season, it, the cap space that a team has, that's misleading. you got to do your homework and dig deeper. The cap space is be, is all the guys who are now on expiring contracts. Right. That's not the cap space. No. It, it, it It's not cap space. It is simply it is simply Gabe Landeskog and Grubauer and Makar and... Jost and all these guys for going on Colorado perspective, all these guys who now need new contracts, so their money is not hitting the cap anymore. Right. So that's the twenty-five million right exactly. there. See, that just, doesn't mean you have twenty-five million to now spend on top of re-signing somebody. It means that that's the money you have to re-sign this guy and do this, right? So okay, this team might have the cap space to to go after this this player and offer him big money. Well. Again, do your homework. No, they don't, because you're basically assuming that all the roster players that are now, who've now had their contracts expire, are not going to be resigned. Yeah, you, now you got 15 just guys going under away. contract. So now you have 20 million that no. you can do whatever. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. So, so do they, you, if you're listening, uh, you don't have to do your homework because we do it for you. There we're you go. we're like the really smart kid in school. You just sit next to us, and you'll know everything you need to know. Yeah. So uh, this is no longer a rumor as it has happened. Uh, Duncan Keith to Edmonton. Yep. Uh, that's a trade that happened so he could be closer to his son. Um, the, the report is he spent a five-month stretch without seeing him at all uh, this past season. Uh, didn't like that, so he requested a trade. Um, he's to the point in his career where I guess I can respect that. You know, you want to be he close to your He lives here, family. doesn't he? Isn't he a Naramata guy? He lives in in the Okanagan, so I guess he wants to be closer, not yeah. right next. But um, Vince Dunn in St. Louis. Rumors around him. I um, like him a lot. He's a. I think he's a very underrated gem. Go on. Uh, St. Louis facing some salary cap questions again makes you wonder why they're involved in a big name free agent like a Landis Gog or somebody like that like how are you going to have the cap space to do right. so right but again we're not the general managers so it is what it is but uh, facing some salary cap questions so Vince Dunn looks like he's on the way out um, Detroit Philly and New Jersey rumored to be involved um, for him and there his services the flyers are the flyers yeah. are in more rumors yeah uh, Nolan Patrick 
in Philly. Face some health issues, some under underperforming, um, yeah. different things like that. Columbus and Winnipeg rumored to be involved with him. He's a Winnipeg kid. They'll probably get him for practically nothing. Uh, another Buffalo guy, Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, r- rumored to be connected to New Jersey. He's just the Devils. Pretty vocally wants out. Sam Reinhart, another guy, um, L.A. and Columbus, high on him. We'll see. Watch how that goes. Um, That's the uh, the Springfield Tire Fire is the Buffalo Sabers, isn't it? So uh, speaking of them, so Skinner waived his no move, so he can be peddled off to Seattle. Hopefully, if, they if they're lucky. Eric Johnson did the same. So Colorado. Eric Johnson. Those are really really good moves for players to make because they. You know that unstraps the team, and they don't have to do it that way. So good on those guys for for stepping up and cutting the team free. Uh, Matisse at home in Nashville. Um, some questions around the Predators. Um, Lo- nothing but questions around Predators. Boston, Philly, Winnipeg, and Montreal connected with Ekholm. Uh, Parisi bought out, and and Suter and Suter in Minnesota. Uh, the Islanders connected to signing him. Um, and they can do so because he was bought out. They can do so at a league minimum one million. Yeah, they can do so. For, it's and, not, and he goes way back with Lou Lamorello. Yeah. I wouldn't be. I'd be shocked if that didn't happen. Jake DeBrusque, rumored uh, to be on the way out of Boston, uh, rumored to be connected to going home. Uh, Edmonton um, to Edmonton. Okay. Um, there's an update on that. Him would that probably had, be good uh, for Edmonton, polls. L.A., Arizona, or Seattle for okay. DeBrusque. Um, Sean Monahan in, in Calgary, um, connected to the Rangers, the Jets, and the Blue Jackets. Okay. Uh, already mentioned him. Nate Schmidt requested a trade, uh, connected to the Rangers. I wonder what if that was just a matter of the wrong kind of fit for him because he he's played so far below his capabilities in Vancouver. It was just a rough year for Nate Schmidt. Tarasenko in St. Louis yep. requested a trade. Now, here's another guy where even if you trade him, it still doesn't give you the cap space you want to do major things. No. Welcome to the fight cap. So even if you move to Tarasenko, the ability to go out and offer big money to somebody is just not there. But, again, we speculate. We're he's not a, the ones throwing money around. He's so. a $7.5 million hit, two years left. Um, if you can get rid of him, he's, he's got a no trade. So if you can peddle him someplace without having to retain salary, it will really help. But that makes it a lot harder. That gets them that gets them into pretty fair salary condition, and they've got a bunch of guys that aren't going to cost them much to resign. They've got to re- the biggest problems they've got are resigning Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. Both of them are RFAs. Yep. Uh, Schwartz, Bozak, and Hoffman are UFA. None of them are big ticket guys. And the guys coming up next year, Perron, Blay, uh, Kyle Clifford, they're not big ticket items either. Uh, so it, I, I really see, I really see St. Louis being in a pretty good position. I don't understand why they would even consider getting rid of Vince Dunn, uh, who's an RFA. Not gonna, he, he can't possibly break your bank. He's only 24 years old, coming into his prime, and he is as good of a combination of mobile and big as as they have in that 
lineup. Oh, here's what you do. You move, so, you move Tarasenko, and you use a little bit of that wiggle room with his money, and you sign Vince Dunn. Exactly. I don't know why why, why the rumors circulating, um, and I you know I hate to keep coming back to it, but it's it's the example I have in my head is really why why you would move Tarasenko and then you try and use that money to sign a Gabe Landeskog. No, no, no. Because again, like we've talked about off, why would Gabe sign anywhere for the same amount of money he could get in Colorado? At that point, just re-sign in Colorado. Right. So at that point, a team would have to offer either his asking price or well above for him to be enticed elsewhere. But how would St. Louis be able to do that even after moving Tarasenko, let alone, you know? So to me, the smart decision is you move Tarasenko because he requested trade. You f- free that cap space. You sign Vince Dunn to what he's asking. And you use the the $2 million extra that you have as wiggle room down the road. But yep. I I couldn't agree more, but there they the only the other problem with moving Tarasenko is that they don't have you know you can probably you could probably put Cairo into that top six, but they don't have an abundance of high end forward talent coming along. So where do you replace you know twenty five goals if he's healthy from Tarasenko and a pretty good solid all around game? I I don't know if it's Clint Costin ready. Yeah. Um, lots of questions. Anyway, kind of uh, veered off, veered off the road there on. Close Coast. out the last couple of the rumors before we f- close out this week. Uh, Taylor Hall connected Boston and Toronto. Yeah, well, that's uh, weird. Uh, connected to re-signing in Boston or going to Toronto. Um, Tyler Johnson in Tampa. Tampa's going is looking at big changes this offseason. Yeah, no There's question. just no way they can avoid it. No. Um, Tyler Johnson is a perfect uh, candidate for He's Seattle. going to Seattle. Yep. Um, yep, James yep. Neal is a buyout candidate in Edmonton. Sure. And Tyson Berry in Edmonton. Um, wants an extension. Talks that Edmonton would rather sign Larson, and they can only afford to do one or the other. Hmm. Um, but there's also rumors going around that he might come back to Colorado. Um, so Edmonton, Colorado connected with him. Um, that's all I have on rumors right now. Um, signings have either happened or there's or there's rumors or or whatever. You just got to wait and see. Um, there's K- Kaprizov turned down an eight-year, nine million dollar deal in in Minnesota. <laughs> Eight times nine, and he cut that loose. He's he's so he's going back to the K, right? Well, what do you know? What Edmonton, or what Edmonton, what Minnesota wants is they want a long-term deal. What Kaprizov wants is a short-term deal. But what that means is Kaprizov wants a four, wants a three or four-year deal at eight or nine million, so that he can get his money and then go back to the K at the end of the four years. Seriously, Russians are weird like that. Yeah. Because it's very rare, with exception of Kovalchuk, how many years ago do you see him sign a any length of term right they want a two or three year deal with big money make their money and then they disappear and they burn through that money doing partying or doing whatever in russia and then all of a sudden they want to re-sign in the nhl like kolchuk and whatever it's just it's weird it's a but that sets a standard too whether anybody wants to admit it or not the league pays attention to that too that okay a team went out and actually offered big term big money to somebody and they turned it down now managers and teams now have more leverage now to kind of go see right look at what we're talking about not only flat cap but look at this and so here's where we're at 
you want to offer that money to somebody, go for it. But you're either running the risk that they they turn it down or you're taking a big risk that they don't perform. So if you want to do that, fine. Take Gabe Landeskog, fine. And there you go. But it's well, a, with this it, sets mind, the, it sets the standard. It does. It. And I, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Kaprasov or Kaprizov or whatever. He's he's a perfect example of why people are not rushing to sign uh, Kuznetsov out of Washington. These are there is just a there is a level of flakiness with these guys, and it goes back through the Kostitsins and and Kovalev, and you know some of them pretty talented guys, but you just never know. This is a weird. On a good day, they're enigmatic. On a bad day, they're just schizo. And it's a, it's kind of a Russian thing. And and say anything you want, I don't doesn't bother me at all. What you think about the generalization, but there's a reason that the asterisk beside every Russian's name on the scouting reports and the entry draft is, you know, good player, good size, good skater, but he's Russian. Will he leave, especially now that the K in the last generation has been starting to throw big money at, at guys? Uh, will he even will he even come across and sign? What are you going to get when he gets here? Is he going to stay away from problems off the ice? Like, it's just a it's it's a risk that is so real that it's it, kind of surprising when when guys are willing to take it. Yeah. I'm looking at UFAs real quickly, and. You know, there's obviously a lot of them that are going nowhere. Uh, on the move, most likely, maybe Taylor Hall, coin flip if he leaves Boston. Ove- Ovechkin's staying. Getzlaff is staying. Parisi and Suter already gone. Um, you don't see Getzlaff going? I don't. I don't see that. We talked to our uh, we talked to our resident Ducks expert quite often about him. I see Getzlaff staying in Anaheim for you know Thornton and Spezza kind of money. You know, spend the next two or three years dragging down a million or a million and a half. Let Anaheim use the cap money to go out and, and get some better players around you so you don't have to carry the load, which you can no longer carry. Stay home. Don't move across the country with a young family trying to chase a cup someplace. Just collect a million or a million and a half and stay there and mentor a good young roster. So, no, I don't see him leaving. Krejci and Rask in Boston along with... Taylor Hall could be major upsets there. Um, curious to see where Stastny goes. He's a he's a commodity. Uh, who else is out there that really is going to make any noise? Dougie Hamilton, Landis Gog, Nick Foligno, Goligoski. I still at thirty five. I still like him. Jaden Swartz is is good enough to play. Tatar kind of flunked out of Montreal at, at the age of thirty. What's going to happen to him? Freddie Anderson had got to get he they've got to get him out of they got to expose him in the entry draft and and let him go or trade him to somebody that needs a goaltender for some future picks otherwise not a whole lot of earth shakers uh on down the on down the list especially when you 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 start looking at goaltenders like what would you what would you see out there for possible goaltending solutions ranta rhymer um Dubnik, Dubnik, Grubauer, Freddie Anderson. Like there's there's a lot of teams that really need some goaltending help. You're probably not going to get Rask at 34. I, I don't know. There's it's 
nobody's got the answers, including the GMs. There's everybody. Everybody speculates just like we do, only not maybe as accurately. Uh, so when you get to it, these decisions, as we talk about a lot, there's what's the rest of our roster look like? What is our off-season injury status? What do our developing players look like? And there's now more question around that than ever this year because a lot of those developing players played partial seasons or not at all or someplace where you didn't get to see them a lot. What's the pipeline looking like? What's, what's the upcoming draft look like? Nobody even knows for sure what those guys are going to be made of because a lot of them haven't played much. So then there's, are we going to get this guy signed or are we not? So that affects our cap. Are we going to get this guy traded or not? Affects our cap. So with every team having at least a dozen different moving parts and considerations in every single decision, that's why these things take place with no notice whatsoever. There's speculation about it. We know who's talking to whom. But what's going to happen, even they don't know until it happens. The phone rings and you get a deal agreed to. Now now we know. Until then, even the now and this year you've got the expansion draft exposure. So there's no end to the to the but. What okay, we could do this, but we can do that, but yep. anyway. I didn't mean you know, it's no there's not the, there's no end to the buts. Uh, close things out this week. Uh, State of the League, a number of things brought up at GM meetings and uh, a lot of questions that a lot of people have just in general, um, one of which being uh, they discussed a new standard for a cross-checking penalty. Um, that opens the door for me, though. I Look, I, I'm 100% an advocate and a supporter of officiating. Uh, they're human beings. Uh, it is what it is. Um, I th- but I think we're with it. I think we're kidding ourselves though. I think we do have to be honest. I think it's important to mention and discuss and that we're kidding ourselves if we don't at least acknowledge that right, wrong or indifferent, it has been criminally inconsistent with the way things have have happened. Um, you I, could you could argue and make this the statement even credibly that it the that it evens itself out. Um, I, my, where I come from with it with the officiating isn't that these officials deserve to be fired or dragged through the mud. No, but it's that it's I just don't like that they're beyond that. There's this air of officiating being beyond reproach, being beyond even being talked about. That's a that's a perception that comes from uh, people making noise in the media and social media and about a lot of coaches complaining and granted normally you're going to have one very happy coach and one very unhappy one understandable but on a given night that changes if you win you got no issue with the call or the non-call if you lose it costs you the game that that's never going to change my issue is that these guys are trying to interpret at real speed what the GM and the player competition committee and the safety committee have all told them to do, they're doing it at the fastest rate, at the fastest level that you can possibly imagine on the ice and doing it without replay until they have to be reviewed. And so they, no, they don't always get it right. But as you saw with 
for instance, offside reviews, you're running it frame by frame and you still can't tell. Oh, look, 100%. So, it but, is what it is. They're human beings. And these guys got... are doing a great job. And they don't, don't kid yourself, Evan, they are not beyond reproach. They get reviewed every night. There is a there is an official supervisor in the building every single night with them, and they're constantly in meetings and Zoom calls and stuff like that as they travel through the through the season. So they are always being critiqued constantly. I guess, I guess with it, my issue is the just the inconsistencies. Yeah, I understand. Uh, McNabb sucker punching Suzuki right in front of an official <laughs> yeah. and no call. Yeah. But yet you've seen penalties for much less. How many times do you see a, a scrum between two players no penalties being called it is what it is they're both getting their shots but then all of a sudden third guy comes in from the top of the circle third man in which should be a penalty decides to rear naked choke the guy and then the guy getting choked is the one getting a roughing penalty (laughs) or he gets at least a matching it's it's things like that (laughs) or a number of years ago watching watching a game and a player got called for holding at the same time that the player got called for hooking. It's these these level of inconsistencies of of Reeves and of Reeves and Wilson are the two in the scrum. Those two, if you're going to give a penalty, deserve the penalties. Not if you if you're going to do it, or the third man in if you're not going to penalize them. But you can't all of a sudden say after the third man comes in that now Reeves or Wilson deserves a penalty because of all this stuff. It's those types of inconsistencies. McNabb on Suzuki, it's this kind of blatant inconsistencies. I understand that. And that's, that's reason for concern. And listen, from, from being behind the bench for years, that was always my issue. I don't care if you call them or if you don't call them. I don't care. Just do it the same way all night and we'll be fine. And with most officials, you realize what you're going to get. Or either you know it because you see his name on the score sheet before you take the ice, or you see it in the first period. You know how the what the temperature temperature is going to be. I would I would argue that eliminating three quarters of the pages of the rule book would solve a lot of problems. There's constantly they think the the solution to an issue is to add more rules. It only complicates it, and and the the law of unintended consequences, it comes up threefold when you add more regulations. So now you can't hook the guy or in the, in the ribs. Well, now every time a player feels a stick in his around his kidney pads, he clamps onto the stick and he draws a penalty. You see the embellishment penalties. You see all kinds of things go on that are unintended consequences of well, gee, we should stop obstruction holding and hooking okay now you've got guys taking full-on runs at a defenseman behind his own behind his own net on the forecheck so there is if they would let the players figure it out they will they will figure out a way to game the system let them do it and take the officials out of the business of doing that look how much cheating there is in the face-off circle make lots of regulations all you're doing is throwing guys out of the face-off dot and creating more issues let the players figure out how to cheat each other and what you want to get away with and what you don't want to let them get away with keep everybody as safe as possible and that includes letting the players police the ice let them do it with themselves and of course, you know, we know what, where that begins. That if you get rid of the instigator and you get rid of the trapezoid and maybe even put back the red line or something, but 
you get rid of a couple of the regulations, stop writing new ones, let the players figure it out. It'll, it'll sort itself out. It always does, good or bad. Yeah. But that's my the other that's level my rant. Of, the other level of inconsistency um, is with player safety. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's something they talk about. Um, been a lot of criticism there. Nazem Kadri deserved to be suspended, um, no doubt about it. But eight games was a little harsh, considering Tom Wilson not two or three weeks earlier got a five thousand dollar fine. Yeah, um, it's it, things like that. It's differentiating by George Peros that um, this player is a repeat offender, so give him seven games. But and Tom Wilson's going to be the one coming back to. But Tom Wilson is. Well, that's a hockey play. It, it's the and I guess it goes hand in hand with not only officiating but player safety. I don't. I really. I'm starting to not like the. Oh well, that's playoff hockey. <laughs> I really am starting to not like that comment. Heard enough of that one. Well, because you? it seems to be the comment that Biz Nasty or Ryan Whitney or anybody like that wants to throw around whenever a questionable situation happens. Right. So Tom Wilson hits hits Brandon Carlo behind the net. Oh, well, that's just hard hockey. Yep. Oh, you know, th- this happens in, in the playoffs. Oh, well, that's just playoff hockey. And that's not what the spirit of playoff hockey was meant to be, right? Basically excusing away borderline dirty, dangerous plays because, well, playoff hockey is intense. So personally, I, I'm beginning to not like the the that's playoff hockey comment from a player safety perspective. Again, there's a lack of consistency on what's, what's suspended, what's not, what's fined, what's not all those number of things. And we're in studio and your phone is on loud. (laughs) Am I getting 86 now? Is this like a, this is a John Tortorella thing. Your phone goes off in a, in a post post-game scrum and you get uh, a three-game suspension but it's it's <laughs> a, about that. it's just the consistency really and, it, it and it's really that's really all it is consistency if you're going to call it one way call it both ways if you're going to do this do that you know it's got to be right down the middle it can't be subjectively choosing who's a repeat offender and what needs to be made example or who you know this or that it's okay that's cross-checking okay that's hooking okay that's high sticking whether whether or not no matter whether or not you're calling a penalty on a team that you've called 10 penalties on already compared to zero for the opponent, or it's 5-5, five, five, it, penalties get called. It is what it is. So Here's, here's the I – see, I see this happening, and think about, think about the top 10 issues that you have in, with recent suspensions or lack of suspensions. How many of those 10 are involving head hits? You mentioned Tom Wilson, you mentioned Ryan Reeves, you mentioned Kadri. It's extremely hard, even with frame-by-frame frame high def, it's extremely hard to tell what is a head hit and what's not, and certainly what's an intentional head hit, and sometimes even what is started as a shoulder hit and the player being hit drops down. And... So it's not really, I mean, you can't penalize a guy for hitting another player in the head when at the very last split second, the player getting hit ducks, which I see happening. 
there is a lot of onus on the player being hit. Do not turn your back to somebody when you're two feet from the boards. You're an idiot. Don't watch your pass when you're coming through center ice. You don't, I'm not saying anybody deserves to have their career ended because there's always a Matt Cook or a Mike Richards or somebody to end the career of a, a fantastic young player like Mark Savard. But watch yourself. And when, when you're watching out for yourself and watching not being hit, look at Pat Kane. He plays more minutes and scores more points than any 15 guys in the league, and he never gets hit. He's got his head up. He, he's slippery. His skating ability helps. But watch yourself. The head hits are the biggest, they're the, the most difficult area to determine when you, when you re- review all of the suspensions and everything. Most of it is a shoulder to the head or a lack of a shoulder to the head, and it is almost impossible. And I'm not making excuses for George Peros. I'm not making excuses for the referees or anybody else. It's just such a such an impossibly difficult job, uh, even with video review. It's just tough. Uh, frustration, 100% understood. Absolutely. Especially when it's your guy who's suspended or gets hit and the other guy doesn't get suspended. I got it. it there's no argument there. It's just difficult it's difficult to get it right it's like trying to give a traffic ticket when the you know in a nascar race they're just it's too fast there's too much going on and they get it right so often it's it's just not worth the heartburn to me but that's just me i'm i'm just that kind of a laid-back guy that old school mentality yeah (laughs) but well anyway uh Good little episode this week. Enjoyed it. Um, make sure you hit the necessary social media platforms Facebook and Instagram, Warm the Hockey Podcast, at Warm the Hockey Podcast, respectively. A- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Um, leave comments, questions, engage with us. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, we hope we, you enjoyed this week. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll go back and repeat what you just said. Get in touch with us. Um, we would love to hear what you think. Uh, if you've got good stories, we're looking for some stories for an upcoming episode uh, number 100. Um, if you've got stories of the heart of the game that need to be told, let us know. Give us, uh, give us some feedback on what we're doing. Give us some ideas. And if, you, if you've got people and builders in the game and, and uh, unheralded heroes of the game, stories of triumph and tragedy that we need to, uh, need to put some air under, Get in touch. We would love to hear. Yep, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining the studio this week. I love it. A lot to look forward to in the coming week with the uh, expansion draft, entry draft, and the heading in the direction for free agency and toward the new season. Um, so a lot to look forward to. Enjoy junior hockey starting um, hopefully with the regular season this fall as well. So yes. a lot to look forward to, a lot to be excited absolutely. about. So um, appreciate you know it. I don't know how we do it. I mean, there's just no off season. I I'm I look back and I just don't know how we keep up sometimes. Absolutely, but we are men of the people. So, uh, thanks thanks for joining the studio this week again. Appreciate it. And I'm Evan Rauer with Warm the Hockey Podcast. We'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers, Cheers everybody.